Lord. And again, I, I uh, when I come again, it's very, uh, you know, it's <laughs> I go through a lot of uh, emotional gratitude that takes place in my heart. And I really, really am very grateful uh, for the ministry here in Hayward. And of course, for Pastor Steve, who was my pastor, who, uh, again, I've said it and I say it time and time again, was able to believe in me when no one else did. And uh, he was able to see, I don't know how he's seen it. <laughs> he's seen something in this little rough boy. And uh, before I knew it, I came into the home. I was, uh, like Pastor Stevan was sharing, I was strung out, uh, really just confused and really uh, just knew one type of lifestyle. And uh, the Lord was able to get me there, but he was able to see. And I was sharing with the life groups this morning. I didn't come into the main core of the leadership structure of the church. He's seen me on the outskirts. He's seen me on the sidelines, if you would, and gave me an opportunity. My entry point to the ministry was directing the home. But even then, he seen me, sent me to Sacramento. And I don't know. I, I think I talked to him, like physically talked to him, like twice. He's seen me. I, you know, I helped serve and be a blessing and at the house and all that. But to have a physical conversation with him, I think it was twice. And one of the conversations was, so far, so God. So far, so God. Hey, Chucky, so far, so God. Boom. That was very simple conversation. And the second one is, how do you feel about Sacramento? <laughs> Next thing I knew, I was in Sacramento. Come on, somebody. But his eyes, he had eyes that looked past the outer and really looked through the eyes of God. And from that simple conversations, I was able to go do those two things. So far, so God, Sacramento. And from there, I was able to start my journey with him. And the more I stepped into the journey, the more the relationship was able to be established. And I know that Pastor Josie kind of seen it. And she probably, when he first mentioned my name, she was like, what? <laughs> oh, she said, she said, who? <laughs> Praise the Lord. But little by little, how many thank God for leadership like that? Thank God for leadership like that. And, and we all know that it was the Lord, but there's a special uniqueness upon the ministry of Victory Outreach that not only believes God for our salvation, but creates opportunity for our future. And I was, would never be able to do what I'm doing probably in another church. I, I don't know if they would have given me that opportunity coming from the background no education, never graduated high school, never been to Bible school, was nothing but a broke-down drug addict that had no future, had no hope, and there was a ministry. Of course, it was the Lord that reached me, but there was a platform that was created that people like us can go not only into our salvation, but step into the destiny that God has for us. How many believe that God has a destiny for you? Come on, somebody. And I'm very grateful and forever, forever grateful, but at the same time committed to this church here in the city of Heron. Seven, I love you. I love you, Chell. Thank you guys for just continuing to stay. Pastor, I love you very much, and uh, thank you for always being there for me. I'm going to stay. Uh, blah, blah, hallelujah. And I love you. And you, she's been there. Uh, when Pastor Steve went on, she was able to step in and help continue to mentor me. And now I've, I've been able to get real connected to Pastor Sonny and work closely with him. So I'm just grateful for God's hand upon my life, and I'm grateful for the leaders that God has used in my life. So come on and give, give the Lord one more good round of applause. Uh, praise the Lord. So um, I bring you greetings on behalf of Pastor Sonny and Sister Julie, who are our pastors. They're in Cape Town, and they're working directly with the ministry, not only in Cape Town, but in South Africa. So, but if you really, really know the history of this church here, everything you've seen on this stage, I took a picture because I had Indonesia. I had Soorang Indonesia, Desini. I, I couldn't even speak English when I came into the home. I, I, just, I just spoke Ebonics, right? My mom didn't even understand what I was saying. She was like, what are you talking about? I was like, hey, hey swoop me up, boo. I was just. <laughs> and now the Lord has not only taught me to teach English, and learn English, but also Indonesian. And then you had a, a Tagalog, so I was also in the Philippines. Marami, marami, salama, panginoon. Come on, somebody. Uh, here, and, then, uh, and now I'm over here in Africa, and all of these countries came into birth in this church right here in the city of Hayward. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 
And uh, it, it's very like, wow, you know, it kind of like really slaps you like, wow, this is heavy, man. God is such a faithful, faithful God to the visions that he gives us and, and the, the promises that he gives us. And we, through this church and now Victor Outreach International, of course, have been able to affect these countries. And how many know that this is just the beginning and we're going to continue to reach these countries for the kingdom of God? <laughs> Praise the Lord. And some of you, you might be right there in that seat. And soon and very soon might find yourself on an airplane. They might say, hey, go to Sacramento. Come on, somebody. And give you the little testing grounds. Uh, first, I think it was San Francisco. San Francisco. I was in San Francisco. And then Pastor Steve pulled out all the leadership. I was five months in the home, never gave a Bible study. And he said, let Chucky oversee the evangelism. And I was like, oh, I never gave a Bible study. I was still, I just stopped smoking cigarettes. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Didn't know what I was doing. And those are the stepping stones that, that the Lord will use to get you into your future. So I believe that that process is taking place in many of your lives. And one day you might find yourself in another country or another city because that's the vision. That's the vision that God has given to us. And how many know for that vision to get reality, we got to respond to it. We got to respond to it. And United We Can is, is an awesome, awesome tool that God is using also financially to be able to do that. So we're impacting Cape Town. We're impacting South Africa. And we're excited about it. We've been there for about seven years now. And in seven years, we just got our new building. And the new building is totally packed out. Matter of fact, in the last four weeks, they've been standing up in the back. There hasn't been enough chairs for them. So we're getting ready to implement our second service. And not only is God building and growing the ministry there in Cape Town, but even simultaneously, we've been able to continue to plant churches. We've planted a church in Pretoria. We sent out a team there about two years ago. And in a small amount of time of two years in Pretoria, you could see that the ministry is already growing. In two years, they have already about 200 people that are gathering on a Sunday morning, getting their breakthrough, getting the, the deliverance in their life. God is really, really moving right there. And then now just recently, about two weeks ago, we launched out our third church to the city of Durban. And uh, if you've been reading the posts on Facebook, they already got men in the home. They're cracking, having street rallies, and really popping open the city of Durban. And then even in the city of Cape Town, we sent out another church to the area of Mitchell's Plain. Mitchell's Plain has about 1.5 million people, where 50% of those young people are smoking meth and smoking heroin. And how many know that God has called the Ministry of Victory Outreach to go into those areas and to let them know that Jesus Christ loves them and has a beautiful plan for their life? So we are just excited, even when I pressing towards the mark. Uh, 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 uh. I, I was getting like, man, I got two days to the house. Come on, somebody. You, some of you have been locked up. Come on now. And, and you had two days to the house. I got two days to the house. Come on, somebody. And I'm getting back on a plane on Tuesday. My wife, my family will be headed back to Cape Town, South Africa, and be able to continue to do the work that the Lord has called us to do. So how many of this is an exciting life? Isn't this an exciting life? Praise the Lord. So we're excited, and it's good to see my mom and dad here this morning, and then also my family. Sister Linda was the first one saved in our family. I think she got saved in 75, 72. She was saved before I came out. Come on, somebody. And she's been serving the Lord and praying for us for years, and little by little, our family's beginning to come in and getting, getting delivered. Come on, somebody. So I love you, Linda. Thank you for everything. I love you, Mom. Come on. Uh, when I first came back, I came out of an emergency that my mom was sick with cancer, and it was in fourth stage, and Pastor Josie was able to go over there and pray for her, and then she called me right after and said, you need to get home, because I was, you know, I'm very ministry, and sometimes it's bad. Come on, somebody. I'll be honest with you. I'm very, I have a very addictive personality. And when I'm in something, I'm in it. So then I was kind of saying, okay, she's going to be okay. Uh, everything's going to be all right. I'll just do this first, and then I'll get home. And then a phone call was a miracle phone call because I'm not on Skype that often. I usually do a call and just turn it off, and I'm gone. And I happened to be on Skype, and as I was looking at Skype, I got a phone call. Income. I wasn't calling out. And if those of you that are familiar with Skype, to get a phone call in it has to be, like, organized. You, you use the email, text, and we're all going to be at Skype at the same time, and let's go ahead and work out this time. Well, I had never sent no emails, never sent no text, but I still received a Skype call from Pastor Josie. It said, I just seen your mom, and you need, you need to get home. And then, I, you know, she read my thoughts. I'm thinking financially, how am I going to do this? How am I going to get not only me but my wife and my kids? And she said, don't worry about finances. 
and she was able to help me. Pastor Esteban was, your church is able to help me. The church in Fremont was also helping to help me. And Pastor Sonny and Sister Julie were also able. So my entire family came. We came into a tragic situation. My mom was still in the hospital, very sick, very down. And uh, we came in. I came in. I came in with my heart ready for whatever God was going to do. And if I had to settle it in my spirit that I wasn't going to get discouraged. If, if God were to take her home, then I had to trust him. And, and I came home with that, and I looked at her, and I began to pray with her and started speaking life into her. And I think she's seen my kids. She's seen us. She started communicating with the Lord. And here she is. She's not in the hospital no more. <laughs> she even spoke to the doctors. She even spoke to the doctors, and they said, I'm gonna, Mom, I'm not, I don't want to embarrass you. I love <laughs> I love you. But she spoke to the doctors, and I'm going to help her with this one. She spoke to the doctors, and they asked her a question. What did they ask you? They asked me if the mass in my breast had gotten smaller. And they asked her if the lumps in the mass in her breast had gotten smaller. And what did you tell them? It's gone. <laughs> Woo! My God. How many know God is a faithful God? Come on, I said, how many know that God is a faithful God? So what she's saying is that the lumps that used to be there, they're not there no more. So now they got to bring her in. They got to run the tests and all these different things. But we're believing God, a supernatural, wonder-working, miracle-working God to heal the cancer that's in her body. And she's going to continue to be. Isn't God good? Come on, isn't God a faithful God? So I'm very grateful this morning, and my biggest challenge, I've been here for a long time in America, and the reason is because I didn't know when I left what was going to happen, but now I can, I can go home with peace, and I can go home and continue to give myself to the work of the ministry, and I thank God for his faithfulness to our lives. How many know God is faithful? And some of you are going through some, some things, too, sicknesses, different things, and that's a testimony that speaks life into your situation. God is not a respecter of person. There is no favorites in God's house. He loves us all the same. Some of us are in the eye. Some of us are behind the scenes. But God's love doesn't love the stage more than he loves the, the background. Wherever you are, God loves you just as much as anybody else. And the same thing the Lord is doing here, he can do in your situation. How many trust Jesus this morning? Come on now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, saying all that. I want to get into this message this morning. Is Are you guys ready for a message? Are you okay? Okay, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it tight and as short as possible. Hallelujah. But I'm also going to feel free, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> and I'm just very grateful this morning. How many are grateful? How many love the Lord? Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Open up your Bibles. Maybe stand with me to the book of Numbers, and we're going to go ahead and get into it this morning. Numbers 25, verse 1. You know, I just took you all around the world right now. <laughs> all around the world, and then right back here to home to miracles. Come on, somebody. We could even make an altar call right now. Come on. <laughs> Maybe everybody could go ahead and stand with me. Unless you have a physical thing, it's fine. But if you could stand with me this morning and open up your Bibles to the book of Numbers, chapter 25, verse 1. And we'll go ahead and get it to it this morning. And I want to stay within the theme of, of being just uh, international. And, you know, with us as a ministry right now, we're in the theme of radical and addicted to the cause of, of Christ. The Bible reads right here in Numbers 25, verse 1. While Israel was staying in Shedom, the men began to indulge in sexual immorality with Moabite women. Who invited them to the sacrifices to their gods? The people ate and bowed down before these gods. So Israel joined in worshiping the ball of Pierre. And the Lord's anger burned against them. The Lord said to Moses, take all the leaders of the people, kill them and expose them in broad daylight before the Lord so that the Lord's fierce anger may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to Israel's judges, each of you must put to death those of your men who have joined in worshiping the ball of Pierre. Then an Israelite man, someone say an Israelite man, brought to his family a Midianite woman right before the eyes of Moses. And the whole assembly of Israel, while they were weeping at the entrance to the tent of meeting, when Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw this, he left the assembly. Somebody say he left the assembly. 
took a spear in his hand and followed the Israelite into the tent. He drove the spear through both of them, through the Israelite and into the woman's body. And immediately the plague against the Israelites was stopped. Father, I ask you this morning just to allow my life to be in your hands and that, Lord, you would speak your word into the hearts of your people. I pray for liberty, not only to minister, but I pray for liberty to receive everything that you have for us. Impact our lives this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody together said amen, amen, and amen. You can go ahead and be seated this morning. Now, this is a very heavy, radical, radical story. And this is Old Testament radical story of what was taking place during a time within the children of Israel's journey. How many are on a journey this morning? And, and on a journey, you go through different seasons within the journey. And here within this particular season, you see that, I'm just going to paraphrase it for the sake of time, is that the children of Israel had been in a season of wandering. They were wandering. They were delivered from Egypt. Moses came into the plagues. They were brought out of Egypt under the, under the leadership of Pharaoh, under the oppression of Pharaoh. They were brought out, and they were brought in to the wilderness, but they didn't go directly from Egypt into the promised land, but they went through a season of wandering. And how many, you know, that just because you're out of Egypt doesn't mean you're in the promised land. Come on, somebody. And sometimes you and I, the similar to the children of Israel, instead of continuing to move forward in the future that the Lord has for us, can take a season of wandering. And they took a season of wandering, and as they were wandering around, they got involved in different worships. They got distracted. They got confused. They went through different times and different seasons within their journey of out of, the, out of Egypt and into the promised land. And eventually they came to a point within their journey with God that they were tired of wandering. They got tired of wandering around, and as they got tired of wandering around, they began to give themselves to the direction of Moses. They began to submit themselves to the leadership of Moses. And the Bible says that as they began to give themselves to the direction of Moses and submit themselves to where he was taking them, they began to get victory. And as they were getting victory, they began to get momentum. And as they started getting momentum, the morale started to get higher. And then you find them right here in Shedem, in victory, been going through it. And the Bible says that the enemy was across the Jordan in the promised land. How many know that there's enemies in the promised land also? And the enemy looked over the Jordan and seen the children of Israel, seen their momentum, seen the morale. And the Bible says that he became intimidated by the children of Israel. So therefore, he said that the children of Israel are going to come across the Jordan and they're going to eat us up like cows eat up grass. How many of the devil's afraid of you when you're in momentum? Come on, somebody. When you got momentum and you're moving forward in victory and you're beginning to respond to the call of God upon your life and you're beginning to get victory in those areas that have been holding you back, you begin to intimidate the enemy. And as the enemy became intimidated, then the Bible says that Balak was the king there. He summoned a false prophet by the name of Balaam. And Balaam was a, a, a spiritual guy, but he wasn't all... All there. Come on, somebody. And Balaam comes, and he has this conversation with Balak. And Balak says, listen, I want you to put a curse on the children of Israel. He, I want you to curse them so that they cannot cross over the Jordan and they cannot defeat us. And then Balaam says to him, he says, hey, listen, I, I'll try it, but I can't curse what God has blessed. And the Bible says that even though because he was offering him a lot of money, and this false prophet wanted that money. Come on, somebody. And because he wanted that money, he was willing to, to, to try it anyway. Even though, I mean, if you read the story, God told him don't even try it. But he went forward because he helped me know money's powerful. Come on now. And he was being, you know, he was kind of after the money. So then he starts trying to speak a curse over the children of Israel. And as he opens up his mouth, instead of a curse coming out, a blessing comes out. See, when you're in right standing with God, the devil himself can't curse you. When you're in right standing and walking in your convictions and giving yourself to the work of the Lord, then the, the Lord himself has a covering and a blessing upon you that the devil himself cannot stop. And every time he opened up his mouth, he tried to put a curse. And I believe he did it four different times. He tried to curse the children of Israel. And every time he opened up his mouth, instead of a curse, a blessing was spoken over the children of Israel. And then he looks at him, and Balaam starts to get, he says, and, 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 and this is, I believe, the conversation that took place. He says, Balak, check this out. 
I can't curse what God has already blessed. He says, but if you know their history, if you know their behavior patterns, they love to get distracted with those Moabite women. Come on, somebody. Or those Midianite women. So if what I can't do to them, if you can send those women over there, I can't curse them. But if they get involved with those Midianite women, they can curse themselves. The devil can't stop us. We stop ourselves. Come on, somebody. The enemy cannot curse what God has blessed. But when we make decisions in the journey to get distracted or give in to temptation, then we move ourselves out of the protection of the Lord and the blessing of God. And that's exactly what takes place. Balak sent over some women. The women went over there. And the children of Israel began to get attracted to these women, started to fall into temptation with these women. And what the, the enemy could not do to them, a plague was broke out against them. They brought it upon themselves where 25,000 children of Israel died right there at that plague. And Moses is shocked. We were just in victory. We were just moving so strong forward. What happened? He begins to speak to the Lord. The Lord speaks to him. And he says, take those leaders, the ones that are getting involved in that area, and make an example of them so that this plague would stop. Now, Phinehas was not a, a, a leader in there. Phinehas, Phinehas, the one I want to speak about here, was a disciple. He was a third-generation disciple that was coming up in the things of God. He was like a gang warrior. He was like in the gang. Come on, somebody. How many know that? Is the gang on fire for Jesus? Come on now. And th this young man was there. He was Phinehas. And he overheard the conversation that Moses was communicating to his leaders. And get this. This is heavy. Right in the middle, while Moses is communicating this to these leaders, here comes one of the children of Israel, walks by the tent of meeting where they're all praying and repenting before God, and this guy walks right by with a, with a Midianite girl. How many know sin can really damage our conscience? Come on, somebody. And he didn't do it in secret anymore. He walked right in front of Moses like, hey, what's up, big Mo? All right. Come on, somebody. And the Bible says that Phinehas seen this, overheard the conversation that was taking place from Moses to his leaders, watched this children of Israel, this guy that was one of him, one of his brothers, one of his people, walked right in front of Moses, walked right in front of the leadership with this Midianite women, went in there. Phinehas didn't receive any instruction from Moses. Moses never told him to do anything. He looked and seen it and said, no, I understand the heart of my leader. I understand the direction that he's given. He doesn't have to tell me anymore. I've been with him long enough. I might not have been directly connected to him, but my father was connected to him, and my father discipled me in a way that he doesn't have to speak directly to me. I already understand the heartbeat. I already understand the mindset. And this guy, what he's doing is not right. So I'm going to follow him in there and I'm going to put a stop to this madness. I'm going to take a stand. And I believe that there is a plague that is breaking out against the inner cities of the world. I believe there's a plague of drug addiction, sexual immorality, even the, the things that are taking place with homosexuality, and even some of the convictions of different leadership in the church are being diluted. How many know that we need a radical group of people that are still willing to take a stand where we understand the mindset of God and says, with or without the instruction, I know what's right, and I'm going to do what's right to stop the plague. And he took this stand, and the Bible says that the plague stopped immediately. This man took a stand and stopped the plague immediately. It was a radical move that he had to make. How many are radical this morning? How many are radical for the things of God? How many believe that we belong to a radical, cutting-edge ministry that is radical for the things of God? That we are not just, and of course we respect and love and appreciate the traditional churches. But how many know the vision that God has given to us does not allow us to get caught in the routines of religion. But we got to stay on the cutting edge and continue to do the things that God has called us to do. I believe Phinehas was a perfect example of someone that was radical 
and addicted to the cause of Christ. He was radical and addicted to the will of God. And because of his radicalness, he was able to take a stand in the midst when everyone else was going in a different direction. Radical, by definition, means growing from the base of a stem, from a root-like stem, or from a stem that does not rise above the ground. Radical, by definition. How many know we come from good roots? Pastor Steve was radical. He went to the Philippines with three phone numbers. Jumped on a plane, had never contacted anyone prior to arriving. He didn't go to San Francisco. It was, this wasn't a drive across the bridge. This wasn't even a drive across the state. This was an airplane that was going to take him to a foreign third world country. He steps into the airport, not in San Francisco, but in Manila with three phone numbers in his pocket. And if you've heard the testimony, those of you that have been around for a while, you know that the, the first two phone numbers didn't work. Come on, somebody. And there he was with the third phone number, got in contact with one of the nationals there. And today, my friend, Victory Outreach is established right there in the country of the Philippines, in the city of Manilica. That, that my friend, is radical. We come from good roots. The stem of the ministry. Pastor Sonny and Sister Julie began to get work and pioneer a ministry where even some of the people that they were working with at the time did not believe that it would ever happen. You cannot build a church for drug addicts, gang members, and their families. It will never happen. There's no money there. There's no finances there. But I know the voice of God within my life, and I'm not going to get distracted. I'm going to give myself to drug addicts, gang members, and their families. And here we are, 45 years later, making an impact in the inner cities of the world. How many are excited and radical for the kingdom of God? We come from radical roots, and we can never lose our cutting edge. Another definition of radical is designed to remove the root of disease or diseased and potentially diseased tissue. Radicalness of this ministry, Victory Outreach, has protected us from the disease of religion, has protected us for 45 years from the disease of compromise, has protected us from the disease of getting distracted and getting caught up with the fads of Christianity. How many know that we have a vision? It's a very unique vision that God has called us to. And it is our, our job to make sure that we take the mantle and continue to stay that cutting edge, frontline ministry that God has called us to be. The radicalness protects you from the disease of laziness. Radicalness protects us from the disease of becoming like the church down the block. Radicalness keeps us in our cutting edge. How many want to stay in the cutting edge anointing that God has given to us? Come on, I said, how many want to stay in the cutting edge radicalness that God has given to us? See, we are a radical, cutting edge, latter-day type of ministry that God has raised up to stop the plagues of the inner cities of the world. And like Phineas, we have to be willing to take a stand. There are three things that I want to talk about, and I'll be finished this morning. The first thing when I see Phineas as a young man, a radical and addicted to the cause of Christ, is first of all, he was radical in his convictions. How many know that if we don't have strong convictions, the devil will distract us? Our private life will eventually shout from the rooftops. If we're not taking care of our personal life, taking care of our marriage, taking care of our children, taking care of our finances, taking care of our holiness, come on somebody, taking care of our purity, what is done in secret will eventually echo. And the higher you are, the harder we can fall. He was radical in his convictions. He had convictions that helped lead his decisions. The Israelite man brought to his family a Midianite woman right before the eyes of Moses. Phinehas, in his conviction, followed this Israelite man and did what he had to do. There was a conviction that had been established within his life. And how many know, I'm reading a book right now, it's called the Celebrate, Discipline Celebrate or Celebrate Discipline. Celebrate, 
celebration of disciplines. And he says that God's grace, you can't earn God's grace. God's grace is God's grace. When God saves us, it's totally the work of the Lord. But our disciplines put us in a place where God can do his work. So there is a discipline that comes from us to get in the presence of God for prayer, for the word, for fasting. There's a discipline that takes place that says, I don't just do this seasonally. I don't just do this when things are going bad. There's a discipline within my life. There's a conviction within my life that says in the things that I learned when I was in that side of that home of waking up early in the morning, getting into the presence of God, spending time with Jesus as we continually stay consistent in the convictions that are established within us, we put ourselves in a place where God can do the work inside of us. And the more we're disciplining ourselves to be right there, God, we're creating opportunity for the Lord to do a work inside of our lives. And the more work the Lord does, the more convictions we have. But the opposite is still true. The less work the Lord does, the less convictions we have. That's where sloppy agape comes from. God will forgive me. I could do this. The Lord will forgive me. And that type of Christianity, although we, uh, don't, I don't want to take from the grace of God. God can still forgive us. God will still save us. But I don't know about you. I did not get saved just to stay in the same place. I don't want to be fighting the, 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 the demons that I was fighting in 2010. I don't want to continue to be fighting those demons in 2013. I want to see some progress in my life. I want to see my life begin to get victory over these little areas. And the only way I can get victory is God has to give me victory. And the only way he can give me victory is I got to position myself for God to do the work inside of my life. And if we're still facing the same giants and we're still falling in the same areas and we're, we're not making no progress and we're not, we're not advancing in the things of God, then I would always go back to the very root of where are we in our genuine relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we're established in our relationship, God will establish his convictions within our lives. Phineas was radical in his convictions. How many radical people are here and you're not shy about God? Come on, somebody. You're not one of those shy ones that walk around. But I, I believe that God is raising up a, a people right here that are, that are going to be more radical than ever, that are going to be more cutting edge. I believe this church right here just came out of a whole month of marching down the streets to let the world know that Jesus Christ is still alive and God is the answer. That, my friend, is a radical, radical group of people. Those convictions cannot be just in church events. They have to be a daily lifestyle that we've established within our lives. We create these platforms so you can be exposed. And as you're exposed, you say, oh, this is the life I'm supposed to be living. Discipleship. Getting exposed to what we're doing so that you can implement it in our everyday lives. The young man with the Midianite woman. See, this young man walked right in front of his leader with nothing, with no conviction. His conviction leaded, his weak conviction led to his destruction. There was two sets of convictions here in this story. There was the young man with the girl. He had no conviction. But convictions always lead to our future. His convictions led him to his destruction. But Phineas' conviction led him into his destiny. Our convictions will pave the way for our future. We can have dreams and never accomplish them. We can have daydreamers in the house of God that want to be able to do this and want to be able to do that. But if we don't have the conviction to keep us on the narrow path to getting into the future that God has for us, then we will remain dreamers. I don't know about you, but I don't want to dream no more. I spent time dreaming in prisons. I spent time dreaming in the drug house. I don't want to come to the house of God and continue to waste my life dreaming about something. I want to see that something become a reality within my life how many want to see those dreams become real how many want to see that that breakthrough in your marriage that breakthrough with your children that breakthrough in your finances you're gonna to have to have the conviction to get you there not just wishful thinking 
thinking it's going to happen. There's a conviction that takes us into our destiny. The young man with the woman went into his destruction. Phineas, it took him into his future. We must have radical convictions as we allow the Lord to lead us into our destiny. Second thing that I see about this young man is not only was he radical in his convictions, but secondly, he was radical in his discipleship posture. He allowed himself to take a posture. And this is a tough one. This is a tough one for some of us that come from some heavy backgrounds. We don't want no one telling us what to do. Right? When I came into the home, they had rules. Three-minute showers. And I'm cutting like, what? Three-minute what? Why are you tripping, dude? Three minutes. What? You got three minutes, bro. You got three minutes, bro. And my first shower, I told him I'm going to take 15. And I went in. I had my soul. Like, yeah. And he was out there knocking. Do, 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 three minutes, bro. And I was in there. Hit the back. Come on, somebody. Get in the massage. Come on now. Huh? I had a rebelliousness inside of me that did not want to respond to any type of authority over my life. The authority was the enemy. Judges, teachers, anybody that wanted to tell me what to do, I would resist them before they even opened their mouth. Come on, somebody. And sometimes we get saved and we get delivered, and then we come into the house of God. And we, we, you know, we're saved, we got joy, we're not on drugs, we're sober. Come on, somebody. We're in our right mind. God is beginning to bless. But if we want to be able to get into the future that God has for us, we have to allow somebody to speak into our lives. Pastor Steve used to teach us, he used to say, leaders are just good signs. Pointing you in the direction that you need to go in. Some of you have Google Maps, right? See you get your Google map and you hit it on your iPhone. Do, 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 do. No, 200 feet getting into, make a right on Shawnee Lane. And it starts to lead you in the direction that we need to go in. Maybe a little closer to home in some of us is just traveling from, uh, you know, L.A. to here. And you're driving down the freeway and the sign says, uh, 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 Fremont, California, this way, or San Jose, California, this way. If we follow the sign, then we can make it to our destination. But some of us love to get smart. Come on, somebody. I know a faster way. I, I could, I, I, someone told me about this way. I could go this way. And then we take that way because we want to be smart. Come on, somebody. And as we're going that way, then you ever end up lost. And you have to humble yourself and stop at the gas station and begin to ask for directions. Come on now. I would dare say that that happens in the house of God. With men and women that try to take shortcuts into the future that God has for them. They, they want to go the easy way of getting into whatever they're trying to get into. Trying to dodge this process or trying to dodge that process. So that I can go ahead. I want to get to the, to, the, to the blessing. I want to get over here to this. And God is saying if you want to get to the blessing, you've got to learn to allow someone to be a sign within your life. To be able to speak and give you direction and help you get victory in this area. And help you get victory in that area. And begin to disciple you. Open yourself up to let Letting someone speak into your life. Good signs get us to our destiny. I would have never went to the Philippines if I didn't follow the signs. I would have never went into Indonesia if I wouldn't have followed the signs. I wouldn't be in Cape Town, South Africa if I wouldn't have followed. I wouldn't have a beautiful wife and two beautiful kids. I didn't do nothing special. I just followed the signs. And the signs were able to lead us into our lives. Another analogy that Pastor Steve used to use, and I'm bringing them all back. Come on, somebody. There was a, another one that he said, and it says, sometimes you don't like what you hear. And he used to say, love has many faces. Some of you are like, I love you. It's good to see you. Hallelujah. And we need that kind of love. We need that kind of love. Come on. But there's another love. I'm looking for a, someone that can help me. Clay, maybe you can help me. Come here, Clay. Come on, big clay. Hallelujah. There's another love in the house of God. Come on, somebody. 
Come on, Big Clay. Look at Big Clay. Yeah, baby. Come on, Big Clay. Big Clay, me and Big Clay were in jail together. We are in county together. And I seen Big Clay level someone before. I seen this one guy stole a, a brown bag of two bloney sandwiches out of someone else's. Come on, somebody. And I seen Clay get that guy that stole that bag and hit him so hard that the dude mopped the floor. Come on, somebody. He just slid across the whole thing. And I said, whoa. And then I came into the home, and that same Clay was in the home. So I know what Clay can do. Come on, somebody. And I won't mess with Clay in the world. Come on now. Now, if Clay was here, and, and I, hey, Clay, I love you. I love you. You know, you're a good brother. I love you so much. Well, I'm so proud of you. And then I just shoved Clay. Boom. Push him back like he did to that brother in the county jail. Come on, somebody. Would that be love? What if a bus was coming? He didn't see the bus. I could see the bus coming, so I gave him a good push to shave his life. Sometimes we don't see the bus coming in our lives, and we need to allow someone to push us a little bit. We need to allow someone to get us out of harm's way a little bit. And sometimes that, that, that getting us out is no. Don't do that right now. Not yet. Wait. And sometimes those don't feel good. Give Clay a good round of applause here. And if we're going to grow and be able to mature, Phineas took a discipleship posture within his life that he already understood the heart of Moses. Even maybe he wasn't directly connected to Moses because he was third generation. But he could hear the heart of Moses through Aaron. Aaron was the leader that was directly over him. Aaron had spent enough time with Moses. So Aaron had discipled Phineas enough. That even if I'm not directly connected to Moses, I know what Moses wants. And how many know that there's a vision that God has called us to accomplish? Now, if we want to just come to church and just chill, that's fine. That's no problem. Just pay your tithes. Come on now. Be faithful in your giving. And you say, hey, this is me. But for those that God is stirring up a little bit, and God, you feel that stirring in your heart. You feel that stirring in your life. And you're saying, God has saved me. God has brought me so far. There's so much more that he has for my life. Then you got to be able to take a certain posture in the house of God. If you're going to get into the future that God has for you. There is no easy way to make it into the future. you got to place yourself under a leader that's going to be able to speak life into you. How many thank God for those leaders? Could you imagine if Gina didn't have that relationship, couldn't make that phone call at 2 o'clock in the morning? She would be in depression right now. But because she has a discipleship posture, she's got victory right now, no matter what she's going through, because she chose to take a certain posture within her life. My friend, this doesn't preach good in all good churches, but here in our ministry, we believe that God has given us a vision to take the world, and if we're going to be able to do that, we need to be equipped. We need to be trained. We need to be discipled. Christ discipled his disciples. Get behind me, Satan. Peter didn't see the bus. He wasn't mad at Peter. He was trying to protect him from the bus. How many know sometimes we don't see the bus? We got to follow the signs. Allow someone to direct us. Phineas took a radical posture. Not a, a, just a little peaceful posture. Come on now. He took a radical posture. I want to be discipled in the things of God. How many want to be discipled in the things of the Lord? Find yourself a leader somewhere. Find yourself someone that you can position yourself under. So that they can help us get into the destiny that we have for us. My last point is this. Someone say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And another thing with discipleship is that we choose who disciples us. Because we could reach out and try to disciple and do all these things. But the person responds. It's a personal response. So I thank God for plurality of leadership. It's not, not everyone in Cape Town loves me. A lot of them do. Come on, somebody. But all of them don't. But it's okay if they don't connect with me because they can connect with him. 
or they can connect with him. Because the person that's in the congregation, when God begins to stir, they begin to look. Who's going to help me get into my future? Who's going to help me get into my destiny? And sometimes we're waiting for someone to come after us. And we spend a long time waiting. When I don't know about you, but I'm not going to wait and, and just wait year after year after year. If I feel that God himself is calling me to do something and I need to get equipped to do it, then I'm not going to wait for someone to come and confirm that to me. I'm going to go after that with all of my heart and do what God has called me to do. Find somebody. The Lord has plenty of mature men and women here in the house of God that can help us get into the future that he has for us. We choose who disciples us. The disciple catches the heart of the messenger. It is important for us to open up our heart and allow that heartbeat to be transmitted within us. That heart, what I'm doing right now, I'm not trying to just preach an educational message. I'm trying to transmit a heart that was transmitted into us. Catch the spirit of it. Catch the spirit of Phineas and place ourselves in a posture that we can grow and mature and give victory. How many want victory? I wouldn't be able to be the best. You know, I'm not the best husband. Come on, somebody. But I'm a good husband. I'm not the best, but I'm pretty good. But if I didn't have discipleship of other leaders, I don't know if I would be able to be the best husband to her. But I've allowed people to correct me when I, when I, when, no, hey, don't talk to your wife like that. I come from the ghetto, you know, we just talk, talk bad, you know. And, hey, you know, and I've allowed the other team now because they see it. Come on, somebody. But I, I don't get mad and offended. I want to be the best husband. I want to be the best father. And I might not always know how to do it. So I need someone to teach me to be able to do it. How many want to be better for God? Come on, somebody. How many want to be better for the Lord? My, my third point, and close to closing, the keyboard can make his way, is that not only was he radical in his convictions, not only was he radical in his discipleship posture, but thirdly, Phineas was radical in his actions. How many know that many times in the house of God we can know what to do, but doing it is a whole nother ballgame? See, at the arrest of Jesus, Peter knew what he needed to do. He needed to take a stand for Christ, but he still denied Christ. Come on, somebody. And many times we can know, and we know the story. He didn't have yet the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and after he got empowered by the Holy Spirit, give me a few more minutes. After he got empowered by the Holy Spirit, the same Peter that denied Christ was able to take a stand for Christ. And how many know that you and I have been empowered with the Holy Spirit? That you and I, when you receive Christ, Christ comes into your life. And there he is, and it's not by might, not by power, but it's by the spirit of the living God. There's a spirit of God that is inside of us that gives us the ability to do what God has called us to do. We have to position ourselves, but sometimes knowing is not enough. Tell your neighbor knowing is not enough. Because there are many Christians all around the world that know what to do. But doing it is a whole nother ballgame. In the book of James, chapter 1, verse 22, the Bible says, Do not literally listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. And James 2, 14 says, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? In 2, 18, he says, But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. Whew, I like that one. Show me your faith. You have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds. And I will show you my faith by what I do. Not by what I say. Come on, somebody. How many of many can talk about it? And those of you that have been locked up, they say, don't talk about it. Be about it, homie. Don't talk about it. And remember, you know, when you go into these certain circles, the loudest one is usually the weakest one. Come on now. The one that, hey, 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 I had this, I had this car, I had that. The boy had a brown bag. Come on, somebody. <laughs> With two stale pieces of bread. Come on now. Just a crust. Come on, somebody. But no, no, in the county, he had everything. Because he was good at making you believe it. Come on now. And I believe that even in the house of God, there's many that are good at making us believe it. Don't show us our faith by what, what we're saying. Let's show our faith by what we do. 
there's a conviction in our action. Our actions speak louder than words. Pastor Steve used to say, sometimes your life is speaking so loud I can't even hear what you're saying. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I don't have a lot of smiles this morning. Some of you are like feeling very convicted right now, huh? Come on now. I'm not going to apologize. Hallelujah. I'm getting on a plane on Tuesday and I'm gone. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Hallelujah. We need to be able to align ourselves. And again, it's in obedience to the Lord. When God is speaking and God is ministering, if we want everything that God, God will not bless no mess. God wants to bless. God wants to prosper. But he's not going to bless a mess. And when we choose to respond to the convictions of the Lord, and we respond to the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the word of God that's being preached, and we continue to give ourselves to it and respond to it, God will begin to work things out. Situations that seem dark won't be dark no more. Circumstances that were overwhelming won't be so overwhelming anymore. Pretty soon those things that used to have you entangled, they won't have you entangled anymore. Pretty soon you're so liberated. You're walking in your future. You can shout with joy. You can dance in the altar. Regardless of the situation, you got to fire inside of you because you've been responding to God and responding to God and as you're responding to God breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough and pretty soon you're on a whole nother level living for Jesus how many want to go to another level for the Lord so these messages are just guidelines come on somebody my last point and you can play is his radical conviction his radical posture and his radical actions were a radical magnet for God's radical blessings. His radical convictions, his radical posture, his radical actions were a magnet for God's radical blessings. God will not bless no mess. He loves us. He saves us. But he wants to work on us. They used to say, and I'm sure you heard it said, God loves you just the way you are. But he loves you too much to leave you like that. He wants to take us. He wants to experience everything that he has for us. Pastor Steve used to say, all of this in heaven too. All of this in heaven too. But there's a, a partnership and a relationship factor that we have to submit ourselves to the Lord. Take that posture of resisting the devil. Submit yourself to God. Draw nigh to God and God will draw nigh to you. If we work what needs to be worked through the power of the Holy Spirit that's inside of us, we become a magnet for God's prosperity. We become a magnet for God's provision. We become a magnet for God's blessing and God's breakthrough within our lives. How many want to experience the blessings of the Lord within their life? See, the last thing that I see about this radical young man is that his radical love for God was a magnet for God's radical love for him. And God, it's not that you can earn God's love. Don't get me wrong. God loves us just the way we are. But there's so much more that he has for us. His love will follow us everywhere. But his blessing is upon our obedience. No matter where we are, God loved me when I was locked up. God loves me the same now. His love has not changed for us. He loved me when I was smoking a pipe, locked in a house, smoked, in a, smoked out in the hotel room, peeking out the hole. His love was right there for me, and he loves me the same now. His love hasn't changed. It's an unconditional love that will not change. God still loves us. But his blessing, my wife and my two kids came with my obedience to Christ. He wasn't going to bless me with a wife and two kids locked up in a prison cell. But as we respond to God, God begins to open up the floodgates of heaven, begins to prosper and bless, begins to take your heart and your marriage to a whole nother level. How many love Jesus here this morning? The last thing I see is that his radical love for God was a, was a magnet. For God's blessing upon his life. In Numbers 25 verse 10. The Bible says. The Lord said to Moses. Phinehas son of Eleazar. The son of Aaron the priest. Has turned my anger away from the Israelites. For he was as zealous as I am. For my honor among them. So that in my zeal. I did not put an end to them. Therefore tell him. Phinehas. I'm making my covenant of peace with him. He and his descendants. Will have a covenant. Of a lasting priesthood. His actions, his convictions, his posture brought him into a covenant, not only for him, but for him and his kids. As he responded to God, God's blessing was so much 
upon him that it poured over into the next generation. How many want to leave a blessing for their children? Come on, somebody. How many want to leave a blessing for their future? God's blessing began to be poured out. As he was standing next to Moses, God loved him. God was processing him. God was preparing him. But as he began to take his actions and walk in his calling, he began to experience the covenant that God made with Moses, God began to make with him as well. God is no respecter of person. The same God that has blessed Pastor Sonny and Sister Julie. The same God that has blessed the pioneers and the trailblazers of Victory Outreach International is the same God that wants to bless you and I. The same way that he's prospered us from a humble beginning right there with a holy little church building into a ministry that is coming from all over the world and spending over $1.5 million on our conferences from a humble little drug addict church. Look what the Lord has done for our ministry. He's the same God of today. He's the same God of now. And the same thing he did then, he wants to do now. But the response of that generation was the magnet of the blessing. We can't just enjoy the blessing. Just walk in and enjoy. We want that same thing. I don't know about you, but I want that same breakthrough. I want to see the miracle working power of God. And the same way that their life attracted it, our life will attract that same blessing. And the vision that God has given to the ministry of Victory Outreach will continue. How many know the vision continues? God will bless. God will prosper. But there was a certain response that they had that you and I have to establish within our lives. And that blessing will not only be for us, but will overflow. See, everything we do does not go unnoticed. You can stand. Everything you do for the Lord does not go unnoticed. God will always reward his people for the life they live and the great things we step out to do for him. God will always, God is no debtor to no man. God will always prosper and bless his people in our obedience to him. Matthew chapter 16 verse 27, the Bible says, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what they have done. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 12, Behold, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to everyone according to what they have done. God rewarded Phinehas for his actions. There was a certain reward that was poured out upon him for his response to God. God wants to bless us. God wants to prosper. God has so much more for you and I. I thank God for everything that he's done for me. And I'm not trying to earn his blessing. Uh, we're, we're a grateful people that God has delivered and brought us so far. But the same truth still remains the same. Our motive of response to God is gratitude, of course. But it doesn't change the fact. It doesn't change the fact that God will bless. It doesn't change the fact that God will reward. Behold, I'm coming soon. And my reward is with me. I will bless every man and every woman according to what they have done. What do you want to do for the Lord? How do you want to lay down your life for the things of God? Lay down your life for the children that are still out there. United we can. Run for hope. These ones that are responding and being a part of that. That is so awesome. But again, just Toby said it so beautifully. We're not looking at dollar signs. We're looking at souls. We're looking at lives that have been changed. There's more Chuckies that are out there. There's more Anthonys that are out there. Stuck. No direction, no hope, no future. Broken and torn apart. And I thank God for a ministry that I know it wasn't easy. I know it wasn't easy. There were times when Pastor Steve and Pastor Josie wanted to throw in the towel. And they've been transparent with us and sharing some of the difficult times. They got here in 1981, right? 1981. And I'm sure in 1982, they probably thought, what are we doing here? In 1985, they probably thought again, what are we doing here? I'm sure in 1989, they thought about going home. I'm sure there was times in 1990 that were real difficult and challenging. I'm sure there were times in 1992 that were very difficult. But I thank God in 1999, there was still a ministry called Victory Outreach that was here for a little drug addict named Chucky to come through those doors and get delivered and get set free. 
and here I am 14 years later going forward Victory Outreach Hayward we're still here we're still light to the world we're still on fire there's more coming through those doors there's more wills coming through those doors. There's more Danas coming through those doors. There's more Franciscos coming through those doors. We're going to do something for God. God has called us to do something great all over the world. I want you to lift up your hands all over this place. Come on, lift up those hands. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. Come on, we worship you. We're nothing without you, Jesus. Hallelujah.